Chapter 13 of The Clue of the Silken Ladder by Mildred A. Wirt Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Cheryl Adams, Skowhegan, Maine, 2016. Chapter 13 Cousin David's Ghost. When Penny reached the lower floor, she found Mrs. Weems and the Hodges excitedly discussing the seance. The seamstress and her husband emphatically declared that they had given the medium no information regarding either the housekeeper or the deceased cousin David. Then there can be only one explanation, Mrs. Weems said. We were truly in communication with a departed spirit. Don't you agree, Penny? inquired Mrs. Hodges. I am afraid I can't, she replied. The test was a fair one. Mrs. Weems insisted. Mr. Gepper couldn't have described Cousin David so accurately if he hadn't actually seen him as he materialized from the spirit world. Al Gepper could have obtained much of his information from persons in Riverview, Penny responded. About me, perhaps, the housekeeper conceded. But not about Cousin David. Why, I doubt if anyone save myself knew he had a scar over his eye. He received it in an automobile accident twelve or thirteen years ago. Just think, murmured Mrs. Hodges, tomorrow you may actually be able to see your departed cousin. In vain, Penny argued that Al Gepper was a trickster. She was unable to offer the slightest evidence to support her contention, while, on the other hand, the Hodges reminded her that the medium had never asked one penny for his services. From the cottage, Penny went directly to the Star office, feeling certain that her father would have returned there from his trip. Nor was she mistaken. Gaining admittance to the private office, she wasted no words in relating everything which had transpired during his absence. Her father's attention was flattering. "'Penny, you actually saw all this?' he questioned when she had finished. "'Oh, yes. At the Celestial Temple, Louise was with me, too.' We thought you might take the matter up with the police. That's exactly what I will do, decided Mr. Parker. I've turned the matter over in my mind for several days. The Star will take an initiative in driving these mediums, character readers, and the like out of Riverview. Oh, Dad, I was hoping you'd say that. Mr. Parker pressed a desk buzzer. Summoning DeWitt, he told of his plan to launch an active campaign. Nothing will please me better, Chief responded the city editor. Where do we start? We'll tip the police to what is going on at the Celestial Temple. Have them send detectives there for tonight's meeting. Then, when the usual hocus-pocus starts, arrests can be made. Have photographers and a good reporter on hand. That should start the ball rolling, agreed DeWitt. I'll assign Jerry Livingston to the story. Salt Summers is my best photographer. Get busy right away. Mr. Parker ordered. We'll play the story big tomorrow. Give it a spread. How about Al Gepper? Penny inquired after DeWitt had gone. Could he be arrested without involving the Hodges? Not very easily if he lives at their place. Has he accepted money for the seances he conducts there? He hasn't taken any yet from Mrs. Weems. I am sure he must have other customers. You have no proof of it? No. Suppose we forget Al Gepper for the time being and concentrate on the Celestial Temple, Mr. Parker proposed. 
In the meantime, learn everything you can about the man's methods. No assignment would please me more, Dad. I've the same as promised Mr. Gepper he'll land in jail, and I want to make good. Mr. Parker began to pace the floor. I'll write a scorching editorial, he said. We'll fight ignorance with information. Our reporters must learn how these mediums do their tricks and expose them to the gullible public. I'll do everything I can to help, Penny promised eagerly. May I have Al Gepper for my particular fish bait? He's your assignment, and I'm depending upon you to see that he doesn't work any trickery on Mrs. Weems. If she can't be persuaded to remain away from the Hodges, then we must protect her the best way we can. I'll try to accompany her every time she goes there, Dad. I'm afraid he may be after her money. Gepper doesn't know she inherited $6,000, Mr. Parker asked in alarm. Yes, she dropped the information that she had come into money. He supplied the figures himself. I wonder how. I haven't the slightest idea, Dad. Gepper is as clever a man as I ever met. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he does produce Cousin David at tomorrow's seance. Mr. Parker snorted in disgust. Tommy Rot, the man will make an excuse about the conditions not being right and fail. Perhaps, but he seems pretty confident. You expect to attend the seance? Oh, definitely. Jungle beasts couldn't keep me away. Then be alert every instant, without appearing too suspicious, of course. Try to learn how the man accomplishes his tricks. Leave it to me, chuckled Penny. Mr. Al Gepper is due for his first shock when he wakes up tomorrow and reads that the Celestial Temple has been raided. Unless I am much mistaken, that place is one of his favorite haunts. Leaving the newspaper office, Penny went directly home. She longed to stop at the Seidel home, but she had promised her father to say nothing about the planned raid until it was an accomplished fact. Feeling the need of work to occupy her time, she washed the maroon car and waxed the fading paint of Leaping Lena. At six o'clock, her father came home for dinner. Any news? Penny asked, running to meet him. Everything's set, he answered. DeWitt laid your information before the police. Tonight, three detectives will attend the meeting at the temple. If anything out of the way happens, the raid will be staged. Penny was so tense with expectation that she was unable to do justice to the delicious dinner which Mrs. Weems had prepared. Her father, too, seemed unusually restless. After dinner, he made a pretense of reading the paper, but actually his eyes did not see the print. The hands of the clock scarcely appeared to move, so slowly did time pass. Eight o'clock came, then nine. Suddenly, the telephone rang. Penny was away in an instant to answer it. From the next room, she called to her father. It's for you, Dad. Do it, I think. I told him to telephone me as soon as the raid was staged. Mr. Parker arose and went quickly to take the receiver. Penny hovered at his elbow. Hello, Dwit, the publisher asked. And, after a slight pause, Oh, I see. No, I don't think Penny was mistaken. It's more likely there was a tip-off. He hung up the receiver and turned toward Penny, who anticipated the news. The raid was a failure? Yes, Penny. Detectives spent two hours at the meeting. Nothing happened. It was impossible to make arrests. They must have been recognized as detectives. Undoubtedly. 
Others will be assigned to the case? I doubt it, Penny. DeWitt reports that the police have become convinced that the spiritualists who use the temple are not operating for profit. Louise and I know better because she was approached. Penny anxiously regarded her father. Dad, even if the police do give up, we won't, will we? No, we're in this fight and we'll stay in it, he answered grimly. We'll put some new teeth into our trap. And the next time it's sprung, I warrant you, we'll catch a crook. End of chapter 13